Thank you, thank you, Janet Lee. What a journey that was. That really was probably one of the very finest demonstrations of your talent. I just love that choo-choo train that you started off with, the glory train. Wow. So it's uh, an exciting time, and we are just going to enjoy this uh, to hear those kind of uh, demonstrations of song. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are here again, <clears throat> and we are so pleased and so happy to have you as a living, listening audience uh, to this um, The Whisper of Satan, Part 3. <clears throat> this, um, this teaching, I'll tell you what, is just almost stirring up the dead. It's an incredible uh, uh, provocation to the forces dark. They do not like it. Well, we're not fashioned in any way to please their likes or dislikes. We are just going on with the Word of God. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me today to John chapter 3, the Gospel of John chapter 3. And we're going to start this whole uh, third part right from that book. Something very powerful and interesting here. Okay, here's what it says in the Gospel of John, chapter 3. Now, there's a man by the name of Nicodemus, and, and he's talking to Jesus, and he's saying uh, to Jesus, after Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Oh, my. How, how far out people get on not understanding something. You wouldn't think that they would, would get so far out to come up with the ridiculous propositions that they do, but they do. And it's not anything new in our day to what it was back in the days when Jesus walked on the face of the earth. And Jesus, being a very patient and loving person, answered and said, Verily, verily, which is like surely, surely, or amen, amen, I say to you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. You have to understand something, ladies and gentlemen, because it's Bible and because it's the word of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> to enter into the kingdom of God, for you as a fallen ophanim, it is absolutely an exclamation of must. You have to absolutely be born of water. Now someone says, you mean that I've got to get baptized in water? No. You have to be born in water. You have to come and take a body and be born in the water bag like every human being that's born. And that is a must for you to come and take a human body. So every person has got to have that experience of the ophanims in order to get revitalized and accept that they are born of water and of the Spirit. 
because you're 50% as a human being, you're 50% flesh, water, and you're 50% spirit. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say to you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but cannot tell whence it cometh. That's sort of like the scripture that Paul wrote when he says, We know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is in part is done away with, then we're going to be able to really see the whole story. I paraphrase that. He said, because, you know, there's like a veil over the people, just like it was in the days of Moses. That, that veil is still with them. And they can only see partly because of, of this obscurity, this darkness. But one day, that's going to be lifted. Well, I want you people out there to understand that there is a lifting of that veil going on right now with this Word of God, this manifest Word of God that's being delivered unto you over these broadcasts. And God is speaking in a way that is deep and full of a spiritual attrition against the dark side. <clears throat> okay, so it says, it goes on, you can hear the sound, but you can't always tell just by hearing the sound which direction the wind is coming from. That's because there has to be a de development. There has to be a manifestation, a manifesting of understanding by hearing and being able to detect and being able to describe and to discern by that hearing. Because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Okay. Then <clears throat> Nicodemus said unto him, How can these things be? And the same kind of questions are going on out there in the world today. There's much confusion. There's much dismay, consternation. Things that are happening worldwide, things that are happening family-wise, individual-wise, people are, are perplexed and confounded and confused. And they're, they're saying things, they're saying things just like Nicodemus. How can these things be? And God wants to deliver you from that perplexity and that confusion. He wants to take you out of that confoundity. He, he wants to bring you into a, a, a clarity. And Jesus, in the 10th verse of the Gospel of John, chapter 3, said... Art thou, a, art thou a master of Israel and knoweth not these things? There are people that have knowledge in 
a lot of their pursuits that they have been involved in, in their business trades, they've got natural smarts and they've got learned smarts. But when it really comes to knowing the word, there's a difference of being able to understand things by the flesh of the mortal and understanding things by the spirit. Then Jesus goes on in verse 11, Verily, verily, I say unto you, We speak that we do know, and testify that which we have seen, and you receive not our witness. He said, I, I'm wanting to get this truth and story out to the people. I'm wanting to tell them what the secrets are. I'm wanting to give them evidence people are not receiving the witness of this. And then he says these next amazing things. If I have told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And then Jesus mentions two of the most incredible revelations of all times. Verse 13, And no man hath ascended up to heaven. That starts off with an and. And that, beyond a question of a, of a doubt, is a senecdoche. And a senecdoche means in the incorporate of the and, A-N-D are conjunctional revelations that are not obvious. That there are conjunctional evidence and stories of events, happenings, that additionally belong to what is following It is a kind of, of great ellipsis where you have the dot, 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 meaning, hey, there's more, more that belongs to this. Well, a, a cynic donkey means that even within the context of what is said, there are clarities, there are secrets, there are codes that expand out to other parts of the, the biblical universe of the Bible that we have. So that contextually, somewhere in the connectedness of the scripture, there is a part that is a part of that part, which is a part of this revelation that is part of the great ellipsis, part of the, the and conjunctional revelation. And so he says, no man, no human, no mortal has ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven, 
Now, a lot of people try to interpret this to mean that this is exclusively only applicable to one entity, and that is the Son of Man. You know, he doesn't say Son of God here. He particularly and choosingly uses this title, Son of Man, for a purpose. And he says, which is in heaven. He doesn't say which is in the heaven of heavens. He says, which is in heaven. When we are talking heaven and even heavens, we're still talking universe. But when we are talking the heaven of heavens, we are talking the kingdom of God, the first domain. The first domain is a pure spirit realm. And nothing physical can abide in the first domain. Domain. Very important to understand when it says kingdom that the last part of, of king and dumb, D-O-M, is abbreviation for domain, king's domain. And that is the first domain. And it is it is a um, it is an a, an infinity of spirit, pure spirit energy, and flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of that pure spirit energy. It it cannot enter it. It cannot abide there. It's like matter and antimatter. Now, Jesus, when he said son of man, he was including mankind, humankind, by saying in the title that he was a son of of mankind. And so when he is giving this revelation in the way that he gave it, he is saying that there are no humans that will ever ascend no humans that will ever ascend up to heaven but he that came down from heaven <clears throat> if you do not have a soul and every mortal does have a soul capital S which is birthright, citizenship. And every human being does have a kingdom of God complete with the Holy Spirit because chapter 1 of St. John verse 9 says that was the true light, speaking of Jesus, which lighteth every man that comes into the world. There's no person coming into the world, no person being born into the world that does not have the kingdom of God within them and all that that entitles. But having the kingdom of God within, in your solar plexus where the Spirit abides, doesn't get 
that knowledge of the whole of the kingdom of God into your mental consciousness. That has to be almost like a baptism of event to get that into your your mental consciousness so that your mind can be girded up with the benefits of what you were born with and it's been there all the time. And if you hadn't have come from the first domain, then you would not be in, be going into the first domain. And even with new creations that that do not have a, a, a spirit soul, but they're striving toward uh, advancing so that they can eventually have that uh, connected consciousness with God and ultimately uh, be able to achieve that soul, when they go uh, to that first domain and leave the infinity of the physical universe, they abide in the fringes of the first domain and do not go actually into the archways that lead into the first domain. <clears throat> so that's very important to understand. And it's not until they then go out on a mission when after eons and eternities of time that the universe is recreated in the terms of the Bible by the stretching out of the densities and put into heavens and that's pretty clear in the Bible the scroll is unscrolled so the message to you is you have a home and there's two homes that are indicated here one is the father's house described in John 14 where Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not true, I would have told you so. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am you shall be there also. <clears throat> and whether I go, <clears throat> excuse me, whether I go, you know, and the way you know. Praise God. Wow. All right. <coughs> Sorry to cough in your ear. But it's life you got to live it sometimes. Okay. Now, back to... Um, our revelation here in John 3 that which I have just shared with you is one of the two things that Jesus said which he said the understanding of this was understanding heavenly things I've told you earthly things he said in the 12th verse <clears throat> You have not believed it. 
And how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? So it's a heavenly thing. It's a heavenly revelation. You know this for a fact because Jesus has declared it so. And so it it is absolutely important to you when you have by the words of the Savior there are many things I have shared with you and they're, they're about earthly things. And it's very difficult for people to even believe those things, Jesus said. But here's a couple. I'm going to give you a couple things. See what you do with them. And these are heavenly things. And no man ascendeth up to heaven but he that came down from heaven. You're not going up if you didn't come. You're not going up if you didn't come down from there. Oh, that is gigantic. That is colossal. That is absolutely astounding. It's information that is full of of charge. It is information that is imbued with the depths of truth. Now we've been preaching this message for a lot of years about the fall of the Ophanim, about the revelation of the meaning of that, how the twelfth in the twelfth chapter of Revelations, the tale of the dragon drew one-third of the stars and there was three groups of angels that came to this galaxy to create. They were the seraphim, which we're going to be talking about in a little bit in part of this revelation, which were the six-winged angels. Not meaning they've got literal six wings, but meaning that that was description of their ministry and what else well they have a lord of host which was which is michael the archangel <clears throat> and then there's the the cherubim they're the four-winged angels it's all in the bible and they have a lord of host who is gabriel and his assistant co-archangel was Lucifer. And then there was the Ophanim. And so that makes one, two, three. Seraphim, cherubim, Ophanim. And one-third of them fell, and that was the Ophanim. And the word Ophanim comes from the word in the, in the first and tenth chapters of Ezekiel which is wheel. And there's two particular words in there, Ophan and Gilgal. And the word uh, Ophan is mostly used to describe the Ophanim. Ophan is singular, Ophanim is plural. Of the Ophanim, which are, which is the group of angels that fell, were cast to earth by the tail of Satan. And so that whole revelation is one of the greatest incredible revelations that Jesus said 
You know, this is a heavenly revelation. This is a heavenly thing. He puts this revelation right next to except a man be a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. There's a birth that has to happen, ladies and gentlemen, in, in people before they can even begin to see that they are part of the fallen angels. People get so confused about that, they say, oh, that scares me. I, I've always been taught that the fallen angels are the devils. Yeah, there's some of the fallen angels that became devils. But I hope to pray that you don't think that God was so far off, that the Lord of hosts over those Ophanim were so far off, that 100% of them all became devils. I hope you wouldn't be that kind of construction in your thoughts. Because that would probably be worse than Nicodemus when he said, well, I don't understand. How can a man be born when he's old? Does he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? <laughs> I hope you're not there. Because if you are, I want to see you get liberated fast. Right now, today, while this message is being speak, spoken and preached to you and taught to you, I want you to be delivered. There's power and energy in this word. It has power to deliver. It has power to, to set you free. It has power to heal. Right while you're sitting there, God can change one atom in you that would cause you to suddenly be able to hear the Word of God and see the Word of God and understand the Word of God. And then there was the second part. And this is so great and so important. Verse 14. And we have, a, we have another synecdoche, a great ellipsis. And, 14th verse, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. Now, ladies and gentlemen, get a hold on this word. Jerk every discord, jerk every dis distraction. Vent out of you all those aspects of confusion and doubt. Get your soul lined up with this heavenly revelation. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the, in, in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Now how important is that? Here's how important it is. Verse 15. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's how important it is. That whosoever, don't think for one second, one split nanosecond, that does not include you, it does. 
that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Verse 16. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is the, the, the beauty of holiness. This is the engendering that sparked this next incredible verse. For God, preparation for F-O-R, preposition. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Wow. This is so important. And we're going to talk about it today. Number 14. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. I want to tell you that foul and ignorant Dark forces have crowded upon this scripture and this saying of Jesus Christ and has gone all out to disfigure the meaning because it is connected as a heavenly thing as being revealed so that those that have fallen should not perish but should have eternal life in the beauty of salvation. Here is the horrible, nasty, filthy, subduction type of thing that this scripture has been turned into mean and what people have been saying. They think that as Moses lifted up the rod as described in the book of Numbers 21, we'll get to it later, that Jesus is going to be lifted up as a snake. Just like Moses lifted up this snake on this rod, Jesus is going to be lifted up as a snake. And the meaning of the word of that snake, when you look it up in, in, in the Hebrew or even the Greek from here, or if you know it just by your experience in the language, is Satan. Basically, they're saying as that serpent, which was a demonic Satan thing was lifted up. Jesus Christ is going to be lifted up as a snake, demon, satanic, satanic thing. That's why there's some people out there today that are teaching that because Lucifer is called the son of the morning and Jesus is called the son of the morning and because Satan is revealed as being lifted up by Moses. And Moses said, there's another prophet like unto me that's going to rise. And what he tells you, you believe. And here Jesus is saying this thing about 
as Moses lifted up the serpent, which when you look at the meaning of it, it's a, it's a satanic thing, that I'm going to be lifted up like a satanic thing. So you've got the satanic morning star, you've got the Jesus morning star, you've got the, the, the being lifted up on the rod, uh, 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 Satan, you've got the being lifted up on the cross, uh, you know, toning of the idea of Satan. And then you've got people saying that Satan and Jesus Christ are the same person because they're using scripture like that. And they're confusing innocent people. And they're confusing people that could have been believers to even become skeptics. And we are here today to crash in on those foul kind of deliveries of the disenfranchised disinformation word. We want those people to know that they are not franchised by the Holy Spirit. They are not franchised by any of the gifts of God to speak those kind of deceptions and delusions. And we rebuke that in the name of Jesus Christ. We rebuke that kind of doctrine. And now there's another thing that is really popular. The reptilian concepts that are being preached on Christian stations, radio and TV, written in books. And just absolutely covering acres of mental ground with false conclusions about reptilian, what is called revelation, which is absolutely one million trillion percent false. And we're here today to burst that bubble for once and forever as it would apply to the interpretation of this verse which was called a heavenly thing. We are not saying there are not any reptilian revelations. We are not saying that everything that everybody is teaching is wrong or in error. But we are saying there are some serious statements being made that today we are here to straighten out. Now one of the things that's being made is this concept about the seraphim. They are saying that the seraphim are the reptilian, demonized type of, of entities from the Pleiades. And it is all because of how the verse about this story of Jesus to be lifted up as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness and because 
they do not understand it. And it all ties in to the revelation of the whisper of Satan. And we're going to show you that you can even look that up and verify what we're talking about. I received this revelation many, many years ago. I've ministered it. But I feel now more than any other time is the time that this word and this revelation is to get out to masses of people so that never again will anyone who has truly heard this revelation get into that kind of a disfiguration of truth again. Praise God. Praise God. I just want you to really listen. I want you to really listen because it is so important. It is so very important. Okay, here we go. I want to start out by reading this exhortation. It was done, received in 1967. And I want you to think about yourself when I read this. Every thought is waiting for its measure of talent, its mold of being here and in eternity. You know, sometimes, if I may interrupt here, the scripture says, whatever happens here, or whatever you bind here or loosen here, you bind or loosen in heaven, in eternity. So think of that. It's mold of being here and in eternity. The thought that's rich must be mined out. Dig. Dig until you're tired. Think the thought. Work the thought. Read the thought. Need the thought. Stretch the thought. Heed the thought. Now here's a thought. Every human being has the ability to transmit thought waves which can permeate matter, space, and time. The thoughts are transmitted through the brain's relay system and the brain's relay system acts upon the response of our intersource for purposes of celestial and terrestrial correspondence. Wow. I hope you grabbed that one. I hope you got that one. Because that is so important. Okay. I want to remind you, as we start to get in this revelation here, this heavenly thing, of the revelation that I read to you in Ezekiel 28, how that the Bible speaking to the people to understand and to listen and to, to, to follow that the king of Tyrus, who is metaphorically representing uh, without a question or a shadow of a doubt, uh, he who was the anointed cherub, Lucifer, and that in the 28th chapter of 
the book of Ezekiel, it tells about that that this king of Tyrus, this Lucifer, sealed up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Now someday, Lord willing, in the future, I would like to get into the revelation and explanation of exactly what it does mean to seal up the sum. Because that sum would have lots of information. And that sum has included in its summation a fullness of wisdom and a perfection in beauty. And it says in the 13th verse of the 28th chapter, you, Thou have, hast been in the, in the Garden of Eden, ever precious stone was your covering, and it mentions all these different kind of stones, the sardius, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, the carbuncle. It's all part of the creation of this person. And this, of course, these are the different co-unings. And they all represent each one of these names, at least at least a thousand co-unings. Every one of those stones represents a thousand co-unings of the stature and the status of Lucifer. Verse 14, Thou art the anointed cherub. It's the cherubim that covereth. I've set thee so. Lucifer was set in that job as a, as a, as a covering angel over the Ophanims while the Lord of hosts and assistant angels were involved in spiriting creation because it was a time of the creating upon the earth. We've read that to you. We read to you in Ezekiel 39 how that God is against uh, Gog. And later we are going to explain, God help us to have the time, an incredible revelation in the Bible that also backs up this thing about Satan going down into what is called hell. And we'll reiterate some of those things because you know it's hard for you people to remember everything. And how that Satan was given the key to the bottomless pit, which is actually space. There's no bottom to it. It's not in the bottom of the ocean. It's not in the bottom of, of the earth. It's space. And he has the key to it. And that's in the Bible. It's in the book of Revelations. And how that he goes in to there and in the book of Isaiah 14, the 14th chapter and the 9th verse, it says, Hell from the beneath is moved to meet you at your coming. The dead are stirred up even the chief ones of the earth are raised up from their thrones. All the kings of the nation, the greatest people that that have gone into hell, perhaps Julius Caesar, some of the really incredible people, they're stirred up to meet him. 
because he's coming to do what Jesus did when Jesus went into a kind of purgatory to what's called upper paradise. Well, lower paradise, brother, sorry. To lower paradise, where the thief from the cross went with him that day. And then he preached to those spirits, as it describes it in Peter, which were sometimes disobedient. And Lucifer, because the door is open, on the one side allows him to do the same thing on the other side. And this is part of the secret of the whisper of Satan. And we've told you that in part one and part two of the whisper of Satan, but I'm just sort of trying to remind you a little bit about this so you don't, uh, so, so you don't, you know, lose out. And we'll be back. We're going to be reading some scriptures in this area a little later, but I want to just keep going right now. And uh, I, want, I want to now take the time to read um, the story that um, is in the book of Numbers. And I want you to really listen to this because it is a, it is a happening. Now, I'm reading this out of the Peace Bible, Peace Manifest Bible. And I have here both the MIV and the KJV. Let's go. Numbers 21, 4. And the children of Israel journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea in order to avoid the cities of Edom. They became very discouraged because of their difficult passage. Verse 5, And as anger grew within them, they began to blame God and Moses, saying, Why did you bring us out of Egypt to die in this wilderness? There is no bread or water here. Don't tell us about your manna, for we hate it. Verse 6, Because of the people's sin, the Lord withdrew the divine enchanting of the seraphims, the angels. Now this is very important that you remember statements like that. Because of the people's sin, the Lord withdrew. Now that is taken from the Hebrew word that in the KJV is sent. But in the Hebrew you have a choice. It can it can be either sent or withdrew, which is like the opposite. And the MIV selectively, purposely, spiritually makes that change. The Lord withdrew the divine enchanting of the seraphims, angels in parentheses. Then snakes began to bite the people, and many of them died. You see, the Bible says in many places that the angel of the Lord would go before the people of Israel. I've read you some of those scriptures in, in, in other teachings, but it's in many places in the Bible. But when the people rebel, then sometimes God re removes the protection. And that's what happened. God removed these divine enchanters, which were specially sent seraphimic angels to keep the snakes from biting and poisoning and making the people sick or causing them to die. Numbers 21, 7. 
Soon the people were coming to Moses, saying, We have sinned, we've sinned, for we have spoken against you. And the Lord, pray for us that the Lord call back the divine enchanters. So it was Moses prayed for the people. 28, or pardon me, verse 21, verse 8. And the Lord answered and said, Mold a proxy <coughs> of a divine enchanting seraph and put it on a copper rod as though it was treading down a biter. And it shall be that those who are sick or dying that look with respect upon the divine enchanting seraph will live. Now, you see, that was a fulfillment of an ancient prophecy in the book of Genesis. And I should stop right there and, and read it to you because it is so very, very important. Now, after the the serpent in the tree uh, deceiving Eve. God is speaking and he's speaking in what is called the Memrah. M-E-M-R-A-H. And it's this word that is moving and walking, so to speak, through the garden. So in chapter 3 of Genesis, verse 14, And the Lord said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all the cattle, and above every beast of the field. And upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Now listen to this one. This one is incredible. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. And it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now, between thy seed and her seed, thy seed and her seed shall bruise Thy head, he's talking to the serpent, your head is going to be bruised by the seed of the woman. Now let's make sure you get this. There's enmity that's going to be put between the woman and between, between her seed, between the Satan's seed and her seed. And her seed shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now that's a prophecy spoken by God. The seed of Eve, mother of all living, is going to put his heel, his foot, on top of the head of the serpent and bruise it. And yes, it's going to get bitten on the heel for doing this, but it's going to have dominion over the serpent because the, its foot 
it's going to be coming down on the head of the serpent. Showing dominion over the serpent. Now I want you to get hold of this. I want you to understand this. This is the word of God. This is prophecy. This is divine emission. Numbers 21, 8. And the Lord answered and said, Mold a proxy of a divine enchanting seraph and put it on a copper rod as though it were treading down a biter. And it shall be that those sick or dying who look with respect upon the divine enchanting seraph will live. Wow. Verse 9. And Moses, using copper, made a divine enchanter, a seraph, as in seraphim, who stood in the treading down position over the serpent upon a copper rod, and it came to pass that a divine enchantment came upon every bitten person who looked with respect at the divine enchanter upon the rod of copper, and they lived. Now you have to understand this. That on this rod there was two serpents. Not one. But the serpent was only in name a reference to seraph on the one. And in actuality of Nahash or serpent snake for the other. Now what happened that things got changed from this? What happened? Well, in the 6th century A.D., this group of priests, and I don't doubt that they were not trying to do good and improve the Bible, but the Mesoretic priest began to add um, various kinds of vowel marking and changes. And so they changed the word by adding their, their, their markings from divine enchanter to serpent. So then you had two different words that were saying serpent, which basically was just considered by people to mean the same snake. Suddenly, the seraphimic revelation disappeared. The whole incredible prophecy of, the, of, of Genesis that the seed of Eve would put its foot down upon the top of the, of the ser serpent Satan snake as a sign in proxy of conquering the power of Satan was made to disappear by the changing that the Mesoretic priest made and they're adding these vowels and various um, indicative signs. In one 
few one little bit of few changes we lost the incredible revelation we lost it we lost the prophecy we lost the power we lost the deliverance and thus was conceived and formed the horrible conclusion that Jesus would be lifted up on the cross as Moses lifted up the rod Jesus would be lifted up on the cross as a snake but that wasn't at all what the, what the prophecy was <clears throat> that wasn't at all not at all <clears throat> that was not at all the revelation the heavenly thing the revelation of the heavenly thing was that Jesus would be lifted up on the cross as the divining enchanter of God's people with one foot however upon the head of Satan because this being lifted up on the cross would become the most powerful enduring act of salvation that the world had ever known and Satan thinking that by getting Jesus to the cross he was destroying the vessel of Jesus he was made a fool his prognostic jaw was made to shrink. You've got to get this. This is so important. This is one of the two greatest revelations of all time that Jesus gave. The one about no man can ascend up to heaven save he that came down from heaven. And this thing of as Moses lifted up this rod with this proxy he was going to be lifted up he was going to be lifted up as a seraph as an angel of God with his foot upon the head of of Satan so this pole that the rod was, it had a crossbeam, I'm sure, but as pulled as the rod was, the, the Nahash serpent was wrapped around the pole, and his head was coming up with his fangs ready to bite Christ. The foot of Jesus in the emblem is now by virtual energy coming down upon the head of Satan and it is a beautiful story of the white horse going forth to conquer the white horse ministry I I want you to understand this in the beauty that it is in the beauty that it represents 
because it is absolutely sensational. Now, someone says, well, what total meaning does this, does this have? Oh, my. It has so much. You know, there is today the doctors who take the Hippocratic Oath. And the Hippocratic Oath is based on the Caduceus. The Caduceus is this rod, this pole, and they only show this one serpent on it. And that serpent that they're showing on it is the Nahash. They don't have the true story of Christ being the seraphim. They don't have the angel at the top of that caduceus with the angel's foot down upon the head of the serpent. That glory has been robbed from the people. A thief has taken that away from the from the people. But it's now being restored. The years that the canker worm and the caterpillar have eaten is being brought back into reality. And in the fourth chapter of First Thessalonians sixteen, it says for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven. Now don't read this incorrectly. The Lord himself shall do this. Someone else isn't filling in for him. The Lord himself is doing this. Descending from heaven with a shout and the voice of an archangel. The Lord himself is doing that with a shout and the voice of an archangel. There was another time that that shout and voice of the archangel was to be heard on the cross. <clears throat> it should have been added to the Hippocratic Oath of all the doctors This revelation of this caduceus, as I like to pronounce it, is an incredible revelation. And it's a revelation about the seraphim. And they have turned the revelation of the seraphim into reptilians from the Pleiades. Let me read to you about the seraphim in Isaiah 6. And you tell me by the hearing of this if this sounds reptilian to you or not. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, Lord, 
sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. May your mouth or your eyes or your ears or your mind never, never say that these seraphims were reptilian. They are with the Lord of hosts, high and lifted up. They are totally involved in the revelation of the holy, holy, holy. The thirtyfold, the sixtyfold, the hundredfold. They are totally in the revelation of the of the the glory of the Lord that is to fill the whole earth. They have a ministry, a six wing ministry, and there is much that could be just taught about this revelation here in Isaiah. But this is is a real true revelation of the seraphims who were based in the Pleiades, but who are not reptilian. Because that is a (coughs) disfiguration that happened to the Scripture when the Mesoretic priest in the 6th century applied vowel markings to the term divine enchanter and by doing it erased the true idea of the seraphim angels and made them to be the same as the, as the other serpent which was satanic and reptilian. And so when people have read that not understanding this second greatest revelation that Jesus Christ gave to the earth and to the people of the earth. Number one, first, that no man has, has descended from heaven and that no man, will, no, no man will ascend to heaven except he that has descended. You're not going up there if you didn't come from there. The new creation will not enter into the first domain. They will enter into the fringe of the first domain when they overcome. And there needs to be a change in the understanding of that Hippocratic Oath and in the picturesque of the Caduceus. Oh, how important it is that the fulfillment of the prophecy made in the Garden of Eden to the serpent be eaten by the serpent. How smart and hind us with this stuck-up mentality the saint and devil must think he is by changing that whole thing to try to keep that prophecy 
from Genesis of ever coming to pass. Trying to stop it. That you're, that the seed of Eve will put its foot upon the head of Satan. <clears throat> in the mode of conquering Satan. Well, you can understand that in the revelation as Moses, Jesus said in John 3, did this. This is how it happened with the Son of God. Well, as Moses did it, when the people looked upon the image, it didn't matter if they had been bitten in the heel. It didn't matter if they had been poisoned. When they saw the image of the seraphim with the seraphim's foot upon the serpent, they were healed. The poison could not kill them. They could not die from it. And the seraphims were there representing, at that time, Jesus Christ, who is representing all of the ophanims. What an error to give credit to the reptilians. And someone would say, yeah, but these people have actually seen I've actually seen this. They've, they've experienced this in visions and dreams about these reptilians, and they even claim that they have met with them. And, and they've told them that they're from, you know, from the Pleiades. Well, let me tell you something about Satan. At this time, Satan's Zams and Zats are very limited as far as being able to come and land on the earth. Some people call these UFOs and flying saucers. Because <clears throat> there are angels called the seraphim and angels called the cherubim and the sons of Enoch called the Artersians. Who make it not very possible for these satanic ships to land on the earth. But what can Satan do? From far out in space, Satan can send mental photo transitions and translations. And people being susceptible to that can receive those photo translations <clears throat> and actually believe that they have had an, a real, actual experience. That they have been kidnapped, that they have been operated on <clears throat> because they do not understand the power of photo transition and photo translation and how does that can happen from space. Listen, there have been people that are demon-possessed and they've had markings show up on their body. Which is when the demons that possess them begin to work on their minds. It produces those, those eruptions in the flesh on their bodies. 
doesn't have to have a demon come back there and take a sharp instrument and dig into the flesh and cause it. It can all happen through the mind. And that's one of the things that we're into now, to overcome these demonic broadcasts from space that are causing people to believe false things. And the reason they, the forces of Satan want those false things to be believed is because the Bible tells us in the book of Revelations that the angels of God are preaching the everlasting gospel in the skies. And they have been doing this for hundreds of years. And Satan is doing everything he can to make them appear as evil. Just like Satan plotted this thing with the Caldusus to make it appear evil, to turn as it would be from the word written in, in John 3, that as it was with Moses, so it is with Christ. And with, by them not understanding the true thing that happened, then they, they begin to believe that these things are satanic because they're of the devil. And they get all this reptilian idea. Why do we want to advertise reptilians? Why do we want to advertise Satan? Why do we want to advertise demons and devils? Why why do we want to advertise all the bizarre type of of creatures that there are that belong to the demonic world. Why? Yeah, we know there's Azael, there's the dragon, there's the great serpent, there's the beast, there's Satan, there's, you know, the evil watcher angels. There's demons, there's devils, there's frogs. But are those the points that we need to accentuate? We can't just be totally oblivious, of course. But what we need to do is accentuate that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus Christ is King. And the Bible teaches that. Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and then all these other things will be added to you. Put first the position of the kingdom of Christ. Give that first order of presence and recognition. And then all these other things will fall in place. Satan will fall in place with his head under the foot of the seraphim and under the the foot of Jesus. Praise God. Only do we take the time after teaching miles of unending references about the glory of Jesus Christ and the things of the angels and so forth, to teach this thing of the whisper of Satan, because revelation such as I'm teaching you now on this third part of the whisper of Satan is absolutely essential, and it was it was the second uh, uh, thing from heaven uh, that Jesus revealed that was absolutely of an incredible, important nature. In fact, he says it is connected uh, to uh, being able to 
keep people from perishing and being able to be stopped from having eternal life. It was absolutely an essential revelation. And that is why we are teaching it now in its connectedness with the power of Jesus Christ. But when we read the sixth chapter and one through two of the seraphims, we know that they belong to the angelic kingdom. And their archangel is Michael, who in the twelfth chapter of Daniel is going to stand up for God's people. Oh, how, how the forces dark wants to eradicate everything that belongs to, to the seraphim. Wants to eradicate the victory. Wants to have it look like Jesus is being lifted up as a snake. Instead of understanding that he said, no man can take my life from me. No man says, I lay down my life. And greater love has no man than he who will give his life for a friend. And that was the story of going to the cross. And we don't need to ever take anything away from that. We don't need this thing about being lifted up as a snake, which is totally entangled with the thing of satanic evil forces. Wow. I hope you're getting this. Because it is so revelatory and so important. Okay, we're going to continue with this thing. Because it has a lot of fire in it. A lot of fire. Now, when we look up this word of seraphim uh, in the concordance, like Strong's Concordance 8314, It talks about the seraph, and it talks about like to be on fire. And most people don't understand that's talking about syntonic fire. Most people don't correlate with the scriptures, like Deuteronomy 9.3, where it says, The Lord goes before you as a consuming fire. So they see that thing fire, and they say, Oh, that must be evil. That must be demonic fire. Burning fire is... is, is Horrible and evil. Because they are not interpreting scripture by the Holy Spirit. They are not a seer. They are trying out of their own flesh to interpret this word. And by doing so, they're not only leading their own self astray, but they're leading all the people who are following them and believing that their revelation is supposed to be from God. That fire that is talking about is syntonic fire. And how far are you from remembering that Jesus said, I'm going to send you an experience. And, and I have to go away because if I don't go away, I can't send you that experience. But I want you to become endued with power. <clears throat> and that experience <clears throat> is going to be with the Holy Ghost and fire. F-I-R-E, fire. So that is a sacred term. And when you understand syntonic fire, and when you understand Deuteronomy 9.3, and the real meaning, the Lord goes before you as a consuming fire, and there's a whole teaching on that, but I don't have time to go back over that now. So let's just go over to Numbers 21 in your Bibles. Let's get over to Numbers. We're just going to go through this because this is such an important thing. And I mean, I have... Miles and miles of other things I want to say. 
But I, but this is so important because it's got to do with people not perishing. It's tied into John three sixteen. So now when we read in Numbers twenty one, <clears throat> and we read verse eight. Numbers 21, verse 8. And it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole. The construct for that, the construct, in the, in the Hebrew Concordance Dictionary, is number 8314. And that is talking about seraphim. And it's really talking about the revelation of the enchanter the divine enchanter. But that got changed to being a, a fiery serpent. And so when people look at that serpent, and then they look like, they look like in verse 9, and Moses made a serpent, and that, that, that word serpent comes from a totally different root. In the concordance, that's 5175. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it on a pole. It came to pass that if a serpent, and that's 5175, had bitten any man uh, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. That's still still 5175. And why did did he live? Because the the seraph had his foot upon the head of this serpent of brass, which is number 5175, and is evil, is an evil spirit. Now, someone says, I think that word enchanting can is evil, isn't it? Well, it can be. You can have evil enchanting, and you can have divine enchanting. So that's no big revelation, and you should know that. In Isaiah 27, 1, it talks about Leviathan, Leviathan, the piercing serpent. So we see the dragon connected with the serpent, and that's 51, 14, but that is still connected to the Nahash kind of revelation. So it's very, very interesting. And and we want to get into all these things. So when, when we are looking at this revelation... Uh, we have to also understand there's even more to this. And this this Senec uh, uh, Egdoki uh, comes in big on those ands. And why does it need to come in big? Because there are riddles that need to be solved. And and those riddles have to, bo- to do with, uh, you know, with uh, uh, Akva. And, and uh, Akva is a word in the uh in the Bible that's very, very, very important. And and people just don't don't realize how important that those words are and what the total meaning of those words are. But uh they they connect uh to the revelation that that means uh, solution to riddles. And that's that's what the the, the word akfa uh, uh, when you get into the root of it, means solutions to riddles. So when we read on in chapter 21 of verse of Numbers, and we get down to, and we're, remember, we're in the context of the same story of uh, in Numbers of, of you know, 
of, of this uh, caduceus. In verse 14 it says, Wherefore it is said in the book of wars of the Lord what he did in the Red Sea and in the brook of Arnon. Now the story of what he did in the Red Sea, and the Red Sea is where this took place, by the Red Sea. It's told in the Book of Wars, but the Book of Wars is one of the missing books that has been lost. And there are many, many missing books that have been lost that the Bible tells you to read, but you can't read because they've been lost. But thank God for the for the revelation of the language of Akva, which is a a pronouncement of these lost secrets and the revelation of these lost secrets delivered through this revelation that is a a solution resolver of riddles and you know you can even look up the word akva in the, in the the um, in the Bible, or, 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 or there are words in the Bible if you knew what to look for. I don't want to get into that today. I that's that's coming. That's going to be something I do teach on, but uh, 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 I don't think I have the time to get into that today. I've got so much to cover. Really important stuff. So this was written in the Book of Wars, and. These are the things that are, are that God is, is restoring. Restoring the years that the canker worm has eaten. He's restoring it. So when we look in this story, twenty one, Numbers twenty one, we see the serpent of brass in Numbers twenty one nine, is number fifty one seventy five, which is which is the Nahash snake serpent. Even when that story is told in Second Kings eighteen four, it's also the Nahash king, you know, the Nahash serpent, fifty one seventy five. And we need to know that there's a distinguishing difference between the revelation of fifty one seventy five and the revelation of eighty three fourteen, which is the seraph, that because they changed some of the the important um, uh, vows and added to here changed it from being, uh, you know, a, a a divine enchanter to being a serpent. That they just put the whole thing as being one serpent, when in fact there was the seraph represented on the pole, and there was the the Nahash serpent snake snake represented on the pole. Now there are some other interesting things that are really quite awesome to read and we should we should just while we're on this subject we should just comment on it uh let's look at uh, let's get into Isaiah two of them are there and let's look at Isaiah 14 and uh let's just let's just uh, cover this information while we got the chance because it's beautiful stuff there's just no question about it okay now Isaiah fourteen twenty nine, let me read it. Rejoice not thou whole Palestinia or Palestina, because the rod of him that smote thee is broken. It's talking about, 
you know, uh, uh, the forces of of uh, of you know uh, the armies like the Egyptians or so forth like that. It says, "Don't rejoice because it's broken, for out of the serpent's root, serpent's root, that is fifty-one seventy-five. That out of the serpent's root, out of the the demon, Satan, snake, root, shall come forth a cockatrice, and his fruit shall be a fiery flying serpent." Eighty-three, fourteen, seraph. Now I want you to see this revelation. <clears throat> Let me compare it to to the breeding of of dogs. <clears throat> if you take a purebred dog and you mix it with a with a mongrel, uh, there are so many generations that you will have in which. Um, the Mongol will always come out in the pups. And they'll have the different colorations and the different features of the Mongol. But ever so often, in ever so many generations, you will end up with a, a batch of pups that come out looking purebred, like the dog that is purebred, comes out looking purebred. And so what the scripture is saying, Satan is doing everything he can to affect people, doing photo translations on them, delusions. He's doing things to affect their minds, to affect their DNA. And there is a, a serpent's root that is out there trying to make its... It's dig into people's lives. And it said they breed the cockatrite. But the cockatrite at some point, no matter how much Satan causes there to be a diversion, causes there to be a, a, an hallucination, causes there to be a, a delusion, at some point, there will be those people born that will have in them the seed of the seraph understanding, the seraphim understanding. That is just the way it works in the generation of genetics. You just can't stuff out forever in the generations of time they're coming forth just like that example I gave to you of the purebred uh, dog, how that at some generation it will come out. There's always going to be a restoration of people coming forth, and they've, they've got a destiny in their life. And some of you listening here today, you have a destiny in your life. There is something that has happened to you. And you, you, you know that these things you have believed, even then, though you didn't put them in words like this or understand how to put them in words like this. You know that this this understanding has lived in you. It's a part of something very deep and, and, and full of destiny in you. And it's that seraphimic 
order of, of truth that that spiritually divine enchanting of the word of God that you are drawn to. And Jesus said, if I be lifted up, and remember that revelation, he says, as Moses was lifted up the rod, he says, I will be lifted up. And then he says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. I'll draw all men to me who, who have this spiritual magnetism in them because they are my sheep and they know my voice. And when people hear this word of truth and they hear this manifest revelation, they are like sheep that know the voice of their shepherd. They recognize it. I'm not making myself a shepherd. I'm talking about this word being a shepherd. I have no interest in making myself anything but a vessel just to be used to speak this word. So don't ever get the wrong idea that I'm trying to set myself up as being anything. That is totally, absolutely unimportant to me. If there's anyone to set up, it's the name that's above all names. And there is no other name whereby people can be saved except as it is understood in the context of Jesus Christ our Savior. And I love him so much. I said the other night, yesterday, when I was on another broadcast with another station, that I believe that I love Jesus Christ more. Well, I think I put it this way. I said, I believe that there is no one in the whole world that loves Jesus Christ more than I do. Unless somehow that would be referring to God. Because I don't believe it's possible for anybody to love Jesus Christ more than I do. Because I love him with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. Blessed be the name of Jesus Christ. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He was lifted up like an angel. And he says, I'm coming again. I myself am coming again with the voice, with the shout of an archangel, a Lord of hosts. People don't seem to understand that Jesus, in the, in the book of Mark, says he appeared in different forms. People don't understand on the Mount of Transfiguration that Jesus was transformed and transfigured. People don't seem to understand that some of the really great scholars have even understood that when it talks about the angel of the Lord, the angel of God, the angel that redeemed me in the Old Testament, it was talking about Jesus having taken the body of an angel. People get caught up with words. They need to understand what the word angel means. They've got it meaning some kind of fairy thing. The word angel is just a transliteration from the Greek, meaning and you should know it, messenger. When you say, I don't believe that Jesus is an angel. Really? You don't believe that Jesus is a mess messenger? You don't think that the gospel was a message that he brought to earth for our salvation? That's what angel means, is messenger. Get off that technical little scale 
that's got you very close to being found weighed in the balance and wanting. Get off of it. Praise the name of God. Okay, let me read this other one. Running out of time. Chapter 30 of Isaiah. Chapter 30, verse 6. And here's what it says. The burden of the beast of the south into the land of trouble and anguish from whence come the young and the old, the lion, the viper, and the fiery flying serpent. And that right there is 8314, the seraphim. And they will carry their riches upon their shoulders, their treasures upon the bunches of camels, to a people that shall not profit them. And what this is talking about is that the rebellious children of Israel, they treated their divine revelation of the seraphim in the same language and on the same level as the beast of burden. They didn't allow it to get into them for the revelation that it really was. But this is a prophecy about when the the star would lead the three wise men. That seraphimic star would lead the three wise men as it ziths across the land. And they would be laden with their riches their gifts to the Christ child upon the asses and the camels and their treasures they would bring in in bundles but the people in the area where they went wouldn't understand what it meant they wouldn't really understand that there was a Christ child being born here that a light would shine in darkness that would change the whole world oh my god They were like that Nicodemus. Shall an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Oh, my God. Our Father which art in heaven, wake up this world. Wake up the minds of this world that are so deceived, that are so bound in their deception, and loosen them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. You know what? I just have pages and pages of revelation. Incredible, interesting, tantalizing, provocative, beautiful things I want to share with you here today. But everything that I said was needed to be said. And this word is going out. And I feel right now the energy of God. And I pray for those who are fighting off starvation. I pray for your mercy upon them, Lord Jesus. Heal those situations so that they can not be wiped out of life. Give them time and a chance. In the name of your mercy, And I pray for peace in the world and salvation in the world. 
And I pray for the sick, those that are listening and those that have friends and relatives. Right now, the energy of the living God begin to go from my voice and from my body and from my heart and from my spirit out through this medium and begin to touch their bodies right now with the healing power of Jesus, removing pain, removing problems in the body, healing organs, straightening out bones, purifying the blood, purifying the cells, healing them in the name of Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet. In Jesus' name, we love you. We love you. We really do. God bless you. God bless you.